Welcome to the all-new Two Dudes Reviews podcast, online at twodudesreviews.com. That's D-O-O-D-S. We sat down with Johnny Hawkins to discuss the three-time Grammy-nominated Nothing More in the albums, the stories we tell ourselves. We get way deep going to the background of what was in the making of all these songs. Enjoy listening to this while you work or do whatever you're doing. So uh, we're hanging out nice. here with uh, with Johnny from Nothing More, and uh, Johnny, um, I apologize for, for for my buddy here. He's not he's not a professional. He's uh, he's he's not a radio dude. He's just a fan. And we have this little website called Two Dudes Reviews, <laughs> where we review everything. We started just like hanging out in the backyard and enjoying you know wine and cigars and freaking cooking and stuff like that together. Yeah. And I said, well, let's do this little YouTube thing because it'll be fun. It'll give us something to do in our spare sure, time. Yeah. We we run out of topics to talk about. <laughs> and it's just kind of morphed into all of a sudden doing music reviews and shit. And, uh, you know, we go way, so way far back. It was funny. One of the first times that, uh, that uh, after I got introduced to the band and I'm surfing on Johnny's Facebook page, stalking a little bit, and I'm seeing these pictures of, uh, of he and a, and, a, and a beautiful young lady, and they're taking pictures in a lake bed, and I'm going... Wow, well, that's a little crazy. That almost looks like Medina. Is that Medina Lake? And Johnny pops up like, how the hell did you know that? <laughs> like, oh, that's my old stomping ground. So before you know it, we're talking about, you know, Marshall High School and growing up in San Antonio oh, okay. and this, that, and the other. Now, yeah. San, San Antonio hasn't, you know, necessarily been known as like a musical hotbed. You know, we had uh, the Union Underground several years ago. Um, certainly up north of San Antonio and Austin, it's, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of a pretentious music mecca. They certainly were many years ago with the advent of South by Southwest. There's still a music scene there, yeah. but all the clubs on 6th Street have been re- replaced by, like, speed bars and shot bars and college bars and stuff. Not the yeah. same vibe of um, you know, music. Okay. But, uh, Johnny, where did you get your musical bug? I mean, did you start in elementary school, middle school, what? Man, I, uh, I went to a rock show with my dad when I was seven years old. Hmm. And what I... Show was got- it? Man, I don't even know if you'll know these bands. They're all Christian rock bands. <laughs> hey, I played in Christian rock bands in San Antonio. Paradox was oh, one of my okay. first bands. We played with Guardian Angel and Striper. and yeah. Okay, all right. So you might know is Petra. Oh, yeah, of course. Love Petra. Yeah, uh, yeah. Whiteheart. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think it was uh, Grandma Train and Johnny Q Public. Okay, all right. And I remember looking at my dad, and uh, I remember looking at the drummer, and I remember looking at him, and I said, that's what I want to do. That's cool. And I just knew since I was seven. I mean, I say I knew. I went through a lot of phases like every kid who wants to be a cowboy, and then he wants to be an astronaut. <laughs> and he, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you go through a lot of phases along the way, but uh, music was the one thing that stuck through all of them. Right, right. And, and then I got my – you know, I broke all our kitchen utensils and <laughs> – pots and pans and my mom <laughs> kind of caved in and said let's buy him a drum set so so you started as a drummer yeah nice. yeah I, awesome. I didn't start singing until i was about uh 21 years old um i i tried to join the choir when i was about eight now it might have been right same time i started playing drums i tried to join the choir yeah. and didn't make it and there was only about 10 people auditioning so <laughs> I thought, you know, if I can't make it out of 10 people in this tiny little school, then 
probably singing's probably not my future. Now let me ask you: When you auditioned for that, Johnny, did you do the entire audition like this, like you do in concert, where you're beating the crap? Yeah, <laughs> Maybe that, that was it. I didn't make it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like well, the new album is called "The Stories We Tell Ourselves." Is that right? Am I get that right? Stories we tell ourselves. Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, it's ambitious, man. I mean, eighteen tracks. Granted, there are some interludes in here. Um. But, uh, wow, uh, a lot of bands have the sophomore slump, you know, so they follow up their second album um, with something that might be either exactly like the first album or a little inferior or whatever. But you guys have broken the mold here. The pressure had to be on. I mean, what, uh, what have <laughs> yeah. the last two years looked like in, the, uh, in your life, man? You know, I, I always told people when they would say, you know, there's a sophomore slump and a lot of bands go through it. You know, you might experience it. I kind of always just brushed them off and was like, you know, not us. That's not that's not something I see in our future. But um, at the same time, I definitely felt it more on this record than on the last one. And I, I think there's there's some common reason with bands that 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 is true. I think it's the first record you spend all this time um, yeah. with very little pressure, and you're kind of just doing exactly what you want to do, and you have fun. And it's kind of that beginner's luck. Yeah. Um, you no, know, for us it wasn't beginners like we've been making records before then, but but it was kind of our first real record as a um, at least the members that ended up being in nothing more and also the kind of the sound that we were going for. Yeah. It was really our first like where all the pieces came together. Um, so on this record, I definitely fe felt and experienced why that sophomore slump exists. Um, I think uh, a lot of record labels and um, just people surrounding the band put a lot of pressure to get that product out as quickly as possible. Cause the, you know, the sooner you follow up, the better for momentum and, yeah. and all these different things, or at least that's what they think. Um, then there's bands like tool, you know, who make, <laughs> and there's tool. you know, you know, you know, take 10 years to come out with a record. But you, I think we see, we always saw ourselves or identified with bands like tool. Not that we want to take 10 years on a record, but that when we put it out, we're, it's going to be something that lasts a little longer. So we don't need to play that rat race game like the other bands where we're just scurrying to get something out. We, we feel like we have a deeper connection with our fans and we're not worried about them running off and forgetting who we are. So we took a little time with this one. Um, for us, I think it was about a year and a half, you know, after we were done touring off the last record Yeah. and, uh, but I felt it, man. I felt the slump. I felt the pressure. I felt everything in, in personal life. There was a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. So it was the most difficult record I've ever made was this one. All right. Well, and it's huge. I mean, I'm looking at the, just the, the sheer volume of tracks, and uh, uh, that's a, it's a big record. Let's, uh, let's get it started. With any luck here, the goal is to play this record song by song and kind of just about a minute, minute and a half of it. So we're not going to take two hours of your time, Johnny. But just kind of discuss <laughs> a little bit what's going on because in this day and age, Everybody's into, you know, the one song, the single. They play it on Spotify or whatever else. But fewer and right. fewer people get into the album and hear how one song flows to the next and flows to the next. And you guys are brilliant with that. Uh, first song yep. on the record is Ambition Destruction. It's pretty much 12 seconds of noise. And then <laughs> Do You Really Want It? I'm keeping my fingers crossed my CD player actually plays here. Let's go. Do Let's you hear really it. Want it. And begin. And go. God damn it, Andy. It's, it's me. It's you. I think <laughs> it, it is, is you. I think I have a, an electromagnetic field. <laughs> we that, were just talking about the angst on making the that record. Interferes with electronics. It's Try a, it again. It's the same kind of <laughs> angst I get with trying to make the record play. Uh, you know, 
There's something about electronics and needing to show somebody something because every time I try to show someone something or make it work, it doesn't work. It's, yeah, there's I, some I can't find it. I universal it. law at work. I get it. You know, and and this is a uh, it's a you know crappy Gemini CD. They, you know, you, you go into a place nowadays and ask them if uh, you can buy a CD player, and they go, "What? What, what are you talking?" <laughs> about? All right, here we go. Do you really want it? Angst-ridden, nothing more. Do you really want it? Yeah, and we get that. I'll, I'll try not to stop my feet. You know, the message behind this song, everybody I wants to change the world, this. but no one wants to change themselves. I have to ask you, um, you know, with all these pressures and, and how you started this uh, this interview with, um, how much of this album is you from a personal perspective, and how much of the album was written by the other guys, and maybe, you know, I don't know if a record like this, you know, one guy writes three songs, another guy gets another quarter of the album, another guy gets another quarter of the album, or is this all you, man? Um, we're a very um, intertwined band in the sense that we we all have a hand in every song. Okay. Um, I think the the lyrics, um, you know, singing is my instrument in the band now that I don't do the drums. So, you know, Mark brings 90% of the guitar ideas. Dan brings the bass. You know, Ben brings the drums. So I do bring the majority of the, of the lyrics and uh, the song idea or direction. But that doesn't mean that there's definitely songs that, uh, like Fade In, Fade Out, for example, Mark brought that whole idea mm. to the tape and had written uh, a, a large majority of it. Okay. Um, but with with a lot of the songs, I mean, it does start a lot of from my perspective, but we actually try to get everyone in the band feeling like it, the lyrics relate specifically to their story and their personality. Yeah. And I feel like it's actually uh, a better litmus test for the real world because... There's a lot of people out there that are not like me, and they're more like Mark, or they're more like Daniel or Ben. And so if it can work for all of us, I think that there's a higher chance that it's going to connect with a lot of people. You're right on. I completely agree with you. Number three on the record, a this is an interlude, uh, Convict Divide. Our rage, and our very proper rage, against evil things which occur in this world, must not overstep itself. We are going to terminate our race in a mutual massacre of scapegoats. Now then the question arises, who's deceiving who? Who's fooling who? Well, you're deceiving yourself. Everybody takes the shortcuts. Everybody plays tricks. Everybody has an element of duplicity and deception. Deception. Uh, when I first heard the last record, I heard this guy talking in between some of the songs, and I asked, uh, I asked your manager, I said, who the hell is that? Because what he's saying is really cool. And, and how did you me, pick him? He gave me this guy's name, Alan Watts. Who was responsible for bringing Alan Watts and some of that old audio from uh, his philosophy discussions into the fold? 
Yeah, um, that was uh, mainly my doing. I, I go down YouTube rabbit trails all the time. Um, yeah. And especially when we're on tour and I can't fall asleep uh, in the bunk or just there's a lot of time to kill. You know, it's a, a lot of hurry up and wait on the road. Um, I would just find myself going down these little trails and I've always been into philosophy. Um, that was one of my favorite subjects um, coming out of high school. And so philosophy and science and all these different things led me to a lot of these videos that kept linking back to this one person named Alan Watts who yeah. I'd never heard of before. And I think most people haven't heard of him. Um, but he's one of those guys that I would listen to some of the things he said. Um, maybe not some of the things you've even heard on the records, but some of his other lectures that aren't on there. And I'd listen to it and I'd go, wow, that's like, that's like really forward thinking and that's spot on. And like, I never thought in such a, uh, it's almost like mental jujitsu. It's like, <laughs> yeah, he turns everything backwards on you and you're like, whoa, I hadn't thought about that before. And when I looked up the year that it was from, you know, he's saying this stuff in the seventies uh, and eighties, right? Um, I, th that I think he died in the eighties. I think a lot of the recordings were from the fifties and sixties. Wow. I yeah. think, but even even some in the forties, I think uh, I could be wrong about that. But they're old, and some of the things he says, you know, a lot of people are having. There's popularized ideas now, like they're new things. But really, he was saying a lot of stuff way before. Um, so he's he's probably my favorite philosopher. And if one of those people that, if you got asked the question like, who would you meet that's dead? If yeah. you could rest one person. This would be the dude. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I drove my wife nuts for about a year after the uh, after you you guys turned me on Alan Watts because I'd wake up on Saturday and Sunday mornings, put my iPhone in the dock, and then just crank up Alan Watts and listen to these lectures from his <laughs> YouTube videos. Right, my wife wow. after a while just be like, God, I, I I can't I can't take it anymore. I'm gonna go downstairs and listen to you know jazz or something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so is uh, let him burn about Donald Trump or maybe alternative facts or is there any political motivation in let him burn? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Um, we uh, this there's definitely political motivation. I mean, when we were writing this record, um, all the uh, 2016 leading up to 2017 political stuff was going on. Yeah, and we were, I think, like everyone else, going, "What the hell's going on? Like, is this really happening? Like, this seems like a like a dream or a, a funny joke." Um, so it's. But the the thing for us is that it's a, really about everybody. And when we say everybody, we're not just talking about the politicians. We're talking about everybody, literally. So when we say let them burn, we're not just focused on the politicians. We're focused on the people that make all the tiny decisions that create a complex system that keeps these people in power in the first place. Um, so it, it isn't aimed at uh, Donald Trump. Um, it's not aimed at Hillary Clinton. It's not aimed really at any particular person. It's really pointing the finger back at um, everyone else, uh, you know, because the focus always gets put on the guy who gets there. But it's like, yeah, look, the collective look consciousness. Of, yeah, he uh, didn't do that on his own. All right. Cut no. Number, cut number four. <laughs> Let him burn. And are you saying get down, everybody get down? Or are you saying everybody lie? Every, what, what do you say? All, all I hear is everybody, everybody. Arr. Yeah, just everybody, everybody, yeah. And then and then everybody <laughs> lies, everybody lies. Okay, all right, all right. Everybody, 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 everybody,
you know, when that chorus rips in, it's like the song just opens up and boom. Um, you guys went through a drummer change toward the uh, end, middle of the end of the touring cycle on the last record. How? Cause, yeah. And Andy doesn't yeah. know this, but every member of the band and nothing more have drumming percussion in their background, correct? Nice. Um, I not really. Uh, Mark and Daniel don't have any formal drum training. I just handed them some sticks and said, "Hey, hit some stuff." Get out of here, idiot! Okay, yeah, so, so the whole bass thing is like it's it, the best is, way to learn. All right. Yeah, I mean, I, I I had drumline background, and so did Ben, our new drummer. Nice. And uh, so we use we incorporate and use that uh, with what we do. Um, so yeah, we we try to to all play together. And one thing I wanted to – sorry, I'm kind of rewinding here a little bit, but yeah. on Let It Burn, uh, one thing I was thinking about was that song out of all the songs on the record really relates to the title of the rec- uh, of the album uh, more okay. than any other one because w- that was originally inspired by getting kind of frustrated with the narratives that are going on, um, whether it's in the media or on Facebook because um, it's all of us kind of pick a side or a team or a perspective yeah. and it's very easy to just hit share with confirmation confirmation bias going yeah this makes my point of view look very good but at the end of the day i really believe that everybody's full of shit and i think <laughs> i think nobody really knows what's going on most of the time like we might have some basic facts and sure like donald trump might say something that's ridiculous um but a lot of times i felt like both sides there was many times when it was treated unfairly just because people hated them for other reasons and uh i just i don't know even a lot of the racial narrative stuff going on now it's just i think it's leveraged to buy votes and i think it's used to keep the division process in play i think like if they're really like if people who really don't want racism then let's stop fucking talking about it like it's so like let's i know that there's history and all that but like I think people are just it's a masquerading as like being these white knights to try to fix the problem when in reality they're perpetuating it and creating narratives that are the stories we tell ourselves like about everything that's going on and uh, these stories are just I think most of the time uh, maybe there's some truth in them but there's a lot of untruth and I think everybody should be way more skeptical. Wow. Wow. I agree. Deep man. And you're right. You know the, the best way to the best way to avoid that divide is to leave it in the past and move forward. Yeah. Um, Create a new history. Moving on to Cut 5, ripping yeah. me apart. Did uh, did you work with a producer, Johnny? I saw an awful lot of Facebook posts and pictures and stuff of you behind the board in a in a, in a, in a, in a, in a room. But, yeah. um, you know, there's some interesting vocal. The reason I mentioned that is there's an interesting kind of vocal backtrack. Yeah, look, there you go. <laughs> Here's my That's life. True. Yeah, here's my life. This is where I spent most of my days working. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Wow. Oh, my God. You are nuts, dude. So, Locked uh, in the cave. T- tell me about uh, how you got this really bizarre kind of vocal backmasking almost in uh, ripping me apart. You know what I'm, You know oh. the part I'm talking about? On the, uh, on the verses? Is that what you're referring to? Hey, here, let's listen to a little bit of it. Yeah. If, if it'll play. Came to 
Right there with almost like the record scratch where it kind of repeats and goes back. Sounds like a tape is being pulled back through a machine. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually, um, I had this delay that I used a lot on the record. Um, in this record, we did a little different than the last one. Uh, I built like a vocal rig. So I had this, this little station with, um, all these little, let's see right here, like all these like little guitar pedals. Okay. Uh, this is used a lot. Uh, Earthquaker devices sent me a bunch of awesome uh, effects. And so I would put all these together and run my vocal through it. So when we were in the rehearsal, in the rehearsal room, I wasn't just working on lyrics. I was actually, I had my hands busy with knobs and buttons. And so I was kind of getting ideas that would be inspired by the production in real time. Because a lot of times you go into a studio and they throw, they throw a delay or an effect on your voice after the fact. Yeah. But if you had that when you were writing, like sometimes it affects how you perform or the, the idea or the lyric that you create, just like a guitar player. If you didn't have delay, he probably wouldn't come up with a certain idea. So that was the philosophy we had going into this record. And when I had this, this delay, it was a tape delay. You were right. Yeah. Um, I would fire it and then I would change tempos on it really quick. And that gave it that, that kind of bendy <laughs> thing that you're hearing. Yeah. And I captured it and put it on the record. Very cool. Do you have a question? No, I, I just I, I was going to comment on that because, funny, I'm driving over here. That's the song that was playing. In okay, my car. that's what you're listening um, to. Yeah, but <laughs> of course, I, I had to listen to this. I want to at least know the music, and I've been listening for I don't know a week or something like that. But, but uh, uh, powerful. I, I want to say that that what I think makes your music different from most of what we hear out there, in addition to the message, because I'm I'm, I'm more conscious of lyrics. Now that we're doing this, I'm, I'm usually the guy listening to the beat. I, you know, I, I go to bands usually to watch a drummer, right? I want to I hear, and I'm going to hear what they're doing, and, and, and that's where I tune in, right? But, yeah. But uh, um, the, the sound is so big, and it, and it makes sense when you talk about all the buttons and knobs and everything. You're bringing stuff into that, and I think it's bitching that you're bringing that in in the front end and not doing it all post. Yeah. That's wild, and that's, that's I think, what makes you cutting edge probably. Hmm. Cool. Well, thanks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's definitely uh, uh, one of the elements that made this record uh, different. And uh, I don't know. We we're really happy with the results after doing it. Speaking of uh, different, uh, cut number six on the album. Uh, when your manager, Will, first uh, let me hear a little bit of this one, I went, whoa, that's a real different sound for nothing more. Uh, the song is, is Don't Stop. And different sound from a <laughs> vocal perspective, yeah. too. Now, I got to ask, were you just really grasping for those high notes or did you use some type of a vocal pitch? Question number one. And the second question, anything about Flint, Michigan in this? Because there's a there's a lyric in there that has something about lead <laughs> pipes, the water through your lead pipes or something like that. Yeah, I mean, we love Flint, Mis Michigan. We always play the machine shop up there. Yeah. Banana, uh, but banana we don't think there's a lot of up there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, this was one of those songs that we were struggling for a long time to get, or at least I was struggling to get the right vocal to what I thought was some very cool music. Like we, we actually wrote a song 
that was pretty much this chorus and this and the verses on this song minus the hip hop kind of 808 stuff that you hear with that beat yeah uh minus that all the rock parts were another song that we had written like three years ago Hmm. and the song was called bloodline and we could never quite get it right we tried taking it this really heavy like almost seven dusty kind of direction yeah and Every time we took it in like a harder rock direction, it, it just always felt like you could hear this song from another band. Why are we doing this? You know what I mean? Like it just sounds like another heavy rock song. And so we we're like, let's do something different with it because the music's already bitching. At least we felt it was really exciting and energetic. So that's when I just started experimenting with how I was singing. And yeah. um, I never listened to uh, Prince that much growing up, but I had some friends who was really into him. And I think uh, maybe he was on my mind because he had passed away at the time yeah. or, or something. But he – something about Prince popped into my head and I was kind of joking around and just doing some high vocal stuff that I don't usually sing like. And then I threw a bunch of dirt on it by like screaming it. Yeah. And I just kind of found a different way to sing. And I was like – I mean when you listen to this record, I just – you're going to hear a, a, a little more uh, of a spectrum, I think, of vocals from heavy to soft to to intimate to whatever. So this is just one of those colors that I explored in a in a big palette. Dynamite. Let's take a listen to it. Don't stop. Yeah, I love that that bass and the wow, wow, wow. Pure energy. Pure energy. Energy. <laughs> I don't remember who did that song back in the 80s. It's like the dinosaurs are coming. Yeah. You know, and uh, every single lady that I've played this song for in our immediate circle, this is, this is the this one. This is their workout song. Yeah, this is the one that they all go, oh, <laughs> I love that one. And their Dude, shoulders start going. So and- motivational. <laughs> when you think about that, listen to this, right? You're just talking about digging deep, don't stop. I would totally listen to that working so out. You obviously, if I out. Uh, oh, yeah. you yeah. obviously oh. have not been bitten by the uh, breakfast taco bug. I don't know how you could grow up in San Antonio. <laughs> And keep that girlish figure of yours. What's what what what's the trick aside from working out like a beast? I love breakfast tacos, man. Uh, I'm never gonna give that up. Um, right on, brother. Man, right on. I got you know. Um, I've I've always been active, you know, from whether it was drums or sports or just something. But I never. I, I got more into the fitness, I guess, 
community and exercise about a year and a half to two years ago. So when we were working on this record, um, I, I really what happened was uh, when we worked on our last record, the self-titled one, um, I went crazy. I literally, um, I lost maybe 10 to 20 pounds. Uh, I just got, and I was already skinny, you yeah. know, I was just, I would lock myself in the room and work all day and night on the record. It's like, I was like addicted to it. And, uh, which probably wasn't good for my relationship at the time <laughs> and, or my sanity. And this record, when it came around, when we were kind of laying the groundwork and the philosophy for how we were going to accomplish this one, I told everyone else. And I told myself, I'm like, look, I'm, I'm going to create some boundaries. I'm going to work from this hour to this hour. And then I'm going to do something physically active to keep my mental sanity because I just literally lost it on the last record. And this this record, for that reason alone, was the – I kept it together and I felt stable and I didn't have so much anxiety and all these things. So I'd go to the gym every day at like uh, 6 o'clock. And so when I went to the gym every day, I also was going through personal stuff. I ended up going through a divorce, which was a very rough thing this year. A lot of that poured into the record, obviously. Um, but – I needed, you know, music only goes so far, especially when you're creating it. Like when you're performing it, you can vent all your emotions into it because it's physical because I'm jumping around and moving my body. But when I'm sitting in a chair just creating, you know, in the studio, uh, my body needs some form of, of vent for the stress. So that's what, what I did the last two years was just go to the gym every day and just every rep, I would think about all the <laughs> stuff I was going through and just breathe it out. Yeah, right on. All right, moving right along. A funny little song called Funny Little Creatures. What can you tell us about this before we take a quick listen? Um, Man, this one was inspired. Let me think for a second because there's a lot of things that went into this one. Um, But really, uh, you know, like Alan Watts on the record we were talking about? Another big big person for me is Carl Jung. Okay. Hang on. I'm writing that down. Carl yeah, it's, it's spelled J-U-N-G, Young. Um, he was, you know, you've heard of Freud, right? Yeah, yeah, Young. You know, kind of Sigmund chimera. Freud. Yeah, um, he, he's a, him and Freud were kind of the two giants at the time uh, when it came to psychology. And Young uh, had this idea or this concept called the archetypes. And without getting too deep into it, it was basically um, like, what, like if I said, okay, that, that person is a policeman. And that person is a soccer mom, and that person is a you know a rock star or a basketball player or just by whatever. looks alone, huh? Just by looks alone, or just by profession? Oh, by profession, they like right. they have a role, right? They have some sort of pattern that their life kind of goes into that's similar to other people in that same pattern. Okay. Um, the archetypes were like that, but when it came to mental states, okay. so people had patterns that were like the hero pattern or the victim pattern or the um, let's I'm trying to think of what else the jester someone yeah. who just laughs like like that's how they deal with problems is they just laugh it off and don't take life too seriously so those are all archetypes that some people identify more with or less with and so when I had that idea in my head but I uh, went to uh, a counselor I'd never been to counseling in my life. Wow. Um, was something I always, you know, just was like, I don't need that. I'm fine. I have a, you know, I'm a healthy, I have a good life. I don't have any problems, but, um, I started going and actually it was one of the most enlightening things I'd ever done. Cause I really got to dive deep with somebody who was, 
uh, wiser than me and more experienced and was a very good mirror, better than just your friends, for example. Yeah. It would really tell you how it is. And it started becoming clear to me that there was a lot of things under the hood going on in my head that were things I didn't even know about that were driving um, – why I would be repulsed from something or attracted to something, decisions I would make in life, the direction I would go. And I found all these little creatures um, that seemed to have, you know, some of them were small, some of them were big, some of them started sprouting legs. And I could sense now that I'm looking at all the stuff going on under the hood that they were growing, um, you know, good creatures, bad creatures, all of it. So that Dude, was the kind peyote of. in San Antonio is peyote. huge right now. Yeah, huge. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do that in the desert sometime. Yeah. That's, uh, that's on my list. So anyway, I'm sorry for interrupting. <laughs> oh, that, I mean, that, yeah. that's pretty much it. It's okay. just the, the little creatures that run our lives. Let's take a listen. Cut number seven. It's funny how I can give the best advice. Love that line. I can't follow, so I tell so myself. True. So I tell myself. It's funny how I can push the pills, but I can't swallow. Almost getting a, a common theme through the record of uh, acknowledging adversity and then and then finding a way to empower yourself from that adversity and, and rise above it. Um, moving on to the interlude yeah. here at eight with uh, more of Alan Watts, and, and I hear a little bit. He talks about uh, fear. It's called react, respond. And I listened to a tape when I was uh, about 15, 16 years old. I would go to sleep with this 30-minute tape that was about fear of success. You know, a lot of people have right. fear of failure, but a lot of people also have fear of success. Probably almost. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I listened to it and I and I wanted to make sure just because of title alone, I wanted to make sure that message got here that I was never too fearful of, of fearing success. So take a listen to this. You will find, therefore that if you get with reality, all sorts of illusions disappear. All sorts of illusions disappear. But you must remember that the secret to all this is not to be afraid of fear. When you can really allow yourself to be afraid and you don't resist the experience of fear, you are truly beginning to master fear. But when you refuse to be afraid, you are resisting fear. And that simply sets up a vicious circle of being afraid of fear and being afraid of being afraid of fear. If then you try to obliterate fear, Working in the wrong way. To attack a fear is to strengthen it. As if you were God, 
that is to say, you don't trust anybody and you're the dictator and you have to keep everybody in line, you lose the divine enemy. Because what you're doing is simply defending yourself. So then, the principle is, the more you give it away, the more it comes back. I was thinking about something while we were listening to that. So, Johnny, yeah, you could bring Alan back today. What would Alan say about our world today? Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, man. Um, He'd probably go take me back out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can I go yeah, back? Yeah, he's like, let's be back. Um, a lot of the stuff he said uh, applies just as much today as it ever as it ever has. I would almost say it's in some areas more poignant today than oh, when he was doubt. first talking about but, it. But, yeah. but, but when you think about the time when he was saying this, mm-hmm. it was a very different world. I mean, you think, you know, I think back to the 80s and 90s, 70s, 80s, 90s, we're, we're old. So, you know, we, we were we were <laughs> we, we were conscious back then. Right. And yeah. and uh, well, not really, but kind of yeah. <laughs> in between <laughs> drinks, yeah. in between okay. drinks. Right. Back in the days. Right. So, uh, no, I just think about that. I, I look at the world today and, and compare it to 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 that this world 20, 30 years ago. And, and, it, and it astounds me where we're at today when we were just talking about the divide in this country and and i'm sure it's always been there to a point and it's been worse at times it's been better at times but i listen to this guy and i wonder what would this guy say if he came out in today's world with all of the technology that we have because it seems like a lot of what he did was very science-based and uh what would he be how would he feel about how we do things today the fact that we're talking right now this way didn't exist in yeah. this world. I would think he, uh, you know, of course I don't know, but I'm speculating that he would probably address how um, technology creates um, more connection in the in a literal sense. Not, I don't mean connection like in a philosophical or emotional sense, but yeah. in a literal sense, like the fact that we're talking right now and we can connect to so many more different people all over the place. Um, I think that that causes, uh, an over, what, what, what's the word? An overestimated sense of importance, basically the age of narcissism or security, because when we get tired of the discussion, we can click off when you're tired of talking to somebody on text or you just don't want to take their call. You can click off. But when you're one-on-one hanging out, <laughs> right, <laughs> you, All right, you can't just Point walk taken. out of the room without insulting somebody, right? Uh, okay, right. so, All right. so let's move along here. We've got the longest video ever. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> the Great <laughs> Divorce. You're talking about uh, something that I'm, I would imagine is uh, both literal and, and figurative with The Great Divorce, yeah? You know what's funny? Uh, we wrote this song, and it had the title to it uh, before I even went through uh-huh. uh my divorce. So it had nothing. It really didn't have to do with that. Uh, it was actually a title from a C.S. Lewis book that was a it was a fantasy kind of philosophy novel. It's hard to describe, but okay. basically 
it was this um, this world where it was like the afterlife, but heaven was a place that was very beautiful, but it was um, very uncomfortable. Huh. And the grass like was the greenest grass you could ever see, but it like hurt your feet to walk on. And hell was like this very comfortable place, but it was very dingy and overcrowded. And so it was this interesting like kind of look at like our concepts of, you know, what we idealize as a heaven or the best of everything and a hell and brought in a little bit of a sense of reality from earth to yeah. both pictures. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I actually, uh, had this crazy experience on the last record when I was on the road and something I had on my bucket list, which was to smoke DMT. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I've heard of it. In uh, fact, uh, Joe Rogan talks about DMT. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, Joe Rogan was actually, uh, he did a documentary or was on a documentary about it yeah. uh, many years ago that I watched and uh, amongst other things in my research about it. But long story short, um, they call it the uh, the spirit molecule or the dream drug. It's it's already in your brain. It comes out when you sleep and you dream at night. Yeah. And uh, when you're born and when you die, they say it releases a lot in your brain. So when I did this experience, I won't go into the long story of it, but Basically, I had one of the most incredible um, points of view that I've ever had, just like I imagine an astronaut probably has looking back down at Earth. Yeah, That's what I experienced looking at my own brain wow. and my own soul. And I, I got to go in outer space of, of my own sense of self or body or whatever. And you were conscious and, enough to remember it afterwards, which is really wild. Because I don't remember my dreams. Yeah, I've always been one to remember. Well, not all my dreams. I, I have plenty of dreams I don't remember, but I'll have these very um, impressionable experiences that I'll never forget in my dreams. And and this was one of those experiences where I saw this stuff that I was holding on to that was like such a waste of energy, like grudges and um, negative feelings towards myself and others. And like, uh, long story short, I I was walking on air the next two weeks because I let go of all of it. It was like an emotional, spiritual, wow. psychological shit. You know, it just it just like <laughs> I let go of all. And and it was in that moment that uh, when we started writing this song, something about the music made me feel that divorcing from my body. Yeah. Feel where I thought I was going to die when I did it. Like, you know, yeah. once I'd forgotten that I'd, I'd gone so deep in, um, I thought I was dying. And it, it really, I thought I was not going to see anybody again. I was letting go of my body. That was it. So they, they call it the death training drug as well. So um, anyway, so that inspired this song connected with the C.S. Lewis novel. Okay. Uh, but it, you know, it does make sense when I look back now, actually having gone through a divorce as well. It's, the, it's great, kind of funny. the great divorce from nothing more. Check it out. And coolest drum line. I love it. This is... This is my 15-year-old. You know Caleb. This is his favorite song on the record here.
Wow. Unbelievable. Um, you know, Johnny, I have to say that uh, your songwriting, the topics, uh, the lyrical um, content of what you're talking about, um, you have a, uh, a really keen ability that not everybody has to touch on subjects. And you spoke about this a little bit earlier uh, of human commonalities, you know, um, a relatability that I think everybody in one shape, way, shape or form can relate to. And I got this big time in uh, track number 10, Still in Love. Well, let's take a quick listen to this and we'll talk about it. a long-term relationship is not easy work and you say we tried we tried we tried so damn hard i can feel your passion and again i, I don't know if this was pre-divorce post-divorce while you're going through the uh through that that horrible situation because i've gone through it man and it, and it sucks it. and you know it's but it doesn't even really have to be a divorce i mean my very first girlfriend we dated for a year and a half and i found out she was screwing somebody else half the time that we were dating and just how that rips your heart out and after uh, all that you put into it um, and yeah. you, you yeah. just you just don't cut it off. You still have feelings, no matter how badly you've done wrong. You still have feelings for the other person. Sure. Uh, yeah. She's still in love. Yeah. Um, I wrote. Well, we we wrote it, but the the still in love concept. Um, I worked on when right when I was going through a separation. So okay. divorce wasn't even on the table yet. Um, so there was still a lot that we were both trying to do to to make it work. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you touched on it where it's like you, you're trying to get your heart and your head to get on the same page, yeah. and head just cannot see why you're doing what you're doing, and your heart can't help but be attached because that's how it works. It's a gooey fucking thing, you know. It just gets stuck <laughs> to things. Yeah. And so, I, I, uh, I don't know. I think a lot of people, if they haven't already, at some point in life, will find themselves there where they're in that spot where they wish they could just you know, be done, cut it or, or fix it either yeah. direction. Just go one way or the other, but being torn is the worst spot. Now alone together, again, kind of an interlude. There's no Alan Watts here. And when I think alone together, I think about those times where, uh, you know, I'm exhausted. It's the end of the day. And I sit down on the couch and we spend 30 minutes where it's just my wife and I hanging out together. 
And then she goes, you're not talking to me. How come you're not talking to me? You have nothing to say. I haven't seen you all day. You have not-. And I'm just like, oh, it's just the silence is okay. You know, we're okay alone together. And so it's kind of a, a nice interlude between Still in Love and, and the first single from the album, Go to War. Again, I have to ask uh, this particular song, personal, political, a little bit of both. Yeah, um, you know, when you see the music video we've done for this song. And all we have um, is a lyric video, which came out today, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm, I won't give too much away, but the, basically the the music video kind of touches on the fact that there's there are these, uh, what, what do you call them? Not harmony, but the opposite of harmony, uh, dissonance. Okay. Yeah. There's yeah. dissonance in our interpersonal relationships just one-on-one like we have problems with people that we can't solve and yet we expect this macrocosm this giant like organization of people called a country to have not have problems with all these other giant groups of people and really it's the same problems at the core of it you know they they do they are different obviously and they interact differently but the core of them are a lot of the same breakdowns. And so the whole go to war thing is um, it's all the way from personal to political to whatever you want it to be. It's the same. It's the same problem. <laughs> all right. Go to war. Cut number 12 in the first single from nothing more. I don't know oh. what you had in mind, but here we stand. I'm confused about the guy. Look at it. Let's go to war. Let's go to war. course the song ends do we feel safe or do you feel safe did we feel safe do you feel safe what was the word there do you recall i don't know it's uh do we feel safe yeah on all of them except the very last ones do you feel safe okay uh, all right wow dynamite song <laughs> powerful um, yeah let's let's uh let's move along dude i so appreciate when we're almost an hour into this thing man i know you got stuff to do so thank yeah. you thank you thank okay. you for taking some time yeah man. um just say Virginia. when huh <laughs> Said for Jay, of anything. Was this one, uh, did you guys have to debate a lot on whether or not to put a song that sounds, I mean, everything is so produced, there's so many layers to everything on the record, and then you come to just uh, say when, which you could almost hear at like a small bar and Johnny's just in the corner playing acoustic guitar, and, you know, was, was that kind of the vision in your mind when you wrote this thing and you guys decided to actually put it on the record? Honestly, this one was met with the most resistance because yeah. uh, it's not like us at all. I mean, it's probably the most uh, sappy song we've ever done in our in our <laughs> entire career. Um, what Mark just played this thing on an acoustic, and there was no intention of us writing a song. We were just on the bus one day, and I said, "Keep playing that. Like, 
I was just feeling something. And it was relating to things I was feeling at the time, too. So he kept playing it. And I started just, it just started flowing, all these melodies. And I was just feeling really strongly about it. And after we finished, he's like, you know, it's really good. But uh, I don't think we'd ever use that for nothing more. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And and so we finished it. We showed uh, Will, our manager, and he said the same thing. He's like, yeah, I don't think that's you guys. And as time went on, it was one of those things where it's like, you know what? I don't disagree. I feel the same way. I even feel kind of a little reluctant or embarrassed to even show you this song because it is so sappy and like emotional and vulnerable and kind of, you know, emo, if you will. But it's like, I was like, I don't know. There's something real about it. It's something feels right. So we stuck with it. And uh, now we're really happy we did. And it actually turned out to be one of the label's favorite songs, which is never would agree you have to do your sappy song somewhere sometime Johnny. <laughs> you know you, there has to be a sappy song somewhere as long as there's not a video from the front seat of the tour bus and uh faithfully you know we're just going from tour to town to town anyways here it is uh, just say when The second vocal in there, the little harmony on top there. was half full when we stopped pouring in. I love that line. You know, this, this is, is a song that you go on uh, Jimmy Kimmel or you go on uh, The Tonight Show and, and, and play acoustic kind of like Armstrong did with Wake Me Up When September yeah. Ends. There's nothing wrong with that, man. That's your yeah. money song. No, that's a, that's a great song. That one's going to pay the bills. <laughs> <laughs> pay the bills. Okay, so moving on here. Uh, um, to change... Um, or to accept change. Uh, the song is called Accept Disconnected. Again, it's an interlude, but very beautiful. This, For whatever reason, this has a very familiar melody that the first time I heard it, it sounded like I had listened to this song a million times. Was this totally Mark's doing? Yeah, this was all Mark. Okay. Um, we, gave, we gave some general feedback and guidance, but this was a, a Mark piece. It's a beautiful piece. Accept Disconnect. Check it out, Andy.
So I, I have not had the pleasure of seeing you guys live. Um, and, I, and now I'm listening to it and, and, and listening to the album and, and hearing the interludes. Do you play this stuff on stage? Does this come through, uh, these, um, these inter- interludes when you're playing? If we have a headline show, we have a little more room to work these kind of things in. Um, but I think on this next record, we're, we're going to do more interludes built into the set. We haven't done a lot of them in the past, though. Nice. Let's move on. Uh, number fifteen, who we are. This is kind of like the rock anthem on the uh, on the album. Check nice. it out. Very anthemic. Very big. Yeah. He's tapping his toes over here, and it makes my stupid-ass CD me. player skip like ah. that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Very anthemic. It almost Sorry. has you know, a bit of a feeling of uh, uh, ultimate faith in the human race that we're going to have lots of missteps, but eventually we'll, we'll figure it out. Or it's just letting go, let, let go, let God, as the, uh, as the big book in AA would say. Let go, let God, one day at a time, all that stuff. Right. right. Yeah. Um, it's, you know what? Again, I, I'm, I'm going to make the comment about that uh, uplifting, right? We did, we did, we did a review of Seether. A few weeks ago, that the Caesar's new album and, so and, dark and it's dark and depressing and you know and and that's really, who they are. Heard. You haven't heard it yet? No, no. Okay, well, I've been in my cave. I haven't. I haven't. I don't sure. know what's going on in the world. Wait, wait. Have you ever heard a Caesar album before? <laughs> Shut up. Yes. Andy. Okay. So yeah, it's, fucking it's, Andy. Allah, no, Allah, it, it, that's where. But to see, that's where Sean is. That's that's who he is, and that's where he is, and that's yeah. what he sings about. Right? You guys, I, I, I'm I'm stoked, and I'm and I'm and I'm really impressed with the fact that. You bring a positive message, and thank you, because that's, I think it's, what, it's what's needed, right? It's what's needed in, in, in music. It's what's needed in the world. Well, well thanks, man. Um, yeah, it's, th- this one, this song especially, was probably the most positive one on the record in, in what felt like a large pool of songs that were, I don't, I don't want to say negative in, in the sense that they're bad, but angst. You know, there's angst and there's, there's frustration and sadness. Um, but this one, I think, there was a, a girl that walked into my life actually recently and I did not see myself getting into a relationship or anything in the near future at all. Maybe like for the next few years. By the way, I like the video in the uh, – you, you're singing some pop song in the Mercedes cruising down the road. That <laughs> <laughs> was very yes. funny. She's beautiful, by the way. Oh, thanks, Lucky man. 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 She's a really, really unique person. Um, when you get, I'm sure you'll get to meet her at some point. We'll all get to hang. Um, she's – she breaks all the stereotypes for me. Whereas at first you, you you could you could judge her, you know, and then you're like, whoa, you're so not what I thought you were, yeah. in like the best of ways. 
And I learned through that experience, um, through going through a divorce and then going through a little bit of single life and then getting into a relationship, which I did not see coming, where that some of the best things in life are the things you can't control, number one. And number two, uh, we tr- even knowing that, we still try to control everything. Yeah. Uh, and I learned that in my last relationship and in this one, what's the polar opposite difference in a lot of it is that in one of them, fear was masquerading as love. And in the other, love sometimes masquerades as fear. Interesting. And- That's uh, almost a blueprint of my two relationships. For, the same kind of thing, you know, married at too young of an age and. You know, I had a house, had a kid, had the responsibilities all of a sudden, and it all happened in 18 months. And then my second relationship I didn't see coming, and all of a sudden I found some woman that I we hang out for three and a half hours in the front driveway, and I'm sitting there with the car idling because we're just sitting there bullshitting. And all of a sudden we realize, you know, we're best friends, even if we're not having sex. I'd love to hang out yeah. and just go, go drinking with you or whatever, you know. You're just cool. Yeah. Uh, but I, I like that sex too. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of that type Speaking of, of sex. Wait, what's the next song? No, no, no. But tunnels. Um, <laughs> it, it, now, this song to me sounds like victory. It kind of sounds like rebirth. It sounds like not giving up. And begin. There we go. I'm not tapping my toe on this one. Don't tap your toe. It's that <laughs> kick drum, right? I can't help it. I can't believe you still have a CD player. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Thanks. Dude, it looks like it's like 30 years old. It has like buttons. We hold our breath, we close our eyes. You know, um, Andy, you had mentioned this uh, a week or two ago when I first uh, turned you on to this album to let you know that we were going to be talking with Johnny here. You said, is there something happening there in South Texas? Because a lot of this reminds me of Blue October, right? Well, yeah. As far as lyrical content. Some of the lyrics, you sound like Justin, and and I like that. It's, it's, uh, again, such a tremendous variety of of sounds and and steps and, and everything in this album. Are you a Blue October fan, Johnny? Yeah, actually, um, I I never really knew much about them other than the radio singles. And then we played with them in Houston at this uh, radio festival. And you saw and their show and were blown away. Yeah, no, I got I got teary eyed and chills, and I didn't even listen to them. You know, I, I didn't even know most of the songs, but Justin's, uh, you know, the band was great, and Justin's performance was so captivating. Like as a front man myself. I was just sitting there taking notes the whole time. And he actually was watching us the whole time side stage. We played before them. And uh, he he was just, I guess, a big fan or whatever. And so it was a huge compliment to us. And so I, I paid the, you know, kind of paid the favor back in a sense and checked out their show. And I was just insane. He's, if you haven't seen him live, you know, go oh, see Amazing. Him. Amazing. Great they, they were here a few weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, moving on, almost to the end here. The song is End Begin. And here Alan Watts, at least what I took away from this, um, 
Johnny, and tell me if I'm wrong. He kind of talks about power, almost empowerment, not necessarily power in the typical definition of power over another, but empowerment. Um, do you get kind of that a little bit too, Johnny, or, or what do you take away from what Alan is saying here? Yeah, um, man, I can you play it? Yeah. And then, let's, and then let's, let's, let me... Sorry, I don't think we're going to be able to get to Alan here because it keeps skipping back to a minute six. And it's not me. I'm not tapping. <laughs> He's not tapping. I'm not. I'm not. God dang it. Sorry. What are you doing? Kind of here. Hang on. Let me see if I can fast forward to that part. That's okay. This is just YouTube, man. We're good. Yeah, I mean, that goes back again. Yeah, that goes back to what we were, you know, when we were talking about who we are and like some of the best things in life are the things you you can't control. Um, Those are the things that that's where real power is. You know, when you try to control everything, it's a temporary sense of power. Yeah. Uh, Very cool. Final song on the album. And, uh, you know, that that last record was so incredibly personal. And songs like Jenny was just. once you knew the story behind it, especially um, uh, and, and the this, this song that you you know wrote about your mother and, and the loss of your mom and um, and this one here, you know everybody has a, a father, um, and so I listened to this last weekend on it was Father's Day weekend. Shut up! And uh, and it made me a little uh, misty-eyed. This uh, song, fade in, fade out. Well, yeah, and you said this was Mark, right? This was Mark. Yeah, is, Mark- this, is this Mark's story, Johnny, or is it your yeah, story? Yeah, this is this is about Mark and his son. Um, you know, in like every song, we person we personalize all of them to our own stories. But this sure. one is um, kind of like Mark's "God Went North." That one was for my yeah. mom. Well, and, this one's kind of for his son, dude. And and, and I, my heart was breaking because I'm listening to this song, and it 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 hits me deeply personally. And I'm thinking, God, poor Johnny lost his mom and his dad. <laughs> no, and and so <laughs> I, you know, because I, it, it, you know, you're singing the song, so you're the guy I'm thinking about. So. Uh, uh, right. Amazing, amazing, amazing song. I love this song. Thank you.
Just the other day, I looked at my father. It was the first time I saw he'd grown old. Canyons through his skin, and the rivers that made them carve the stories I was told. He said, "Son, I have watched you fade in. You will watch me fade out." For a uh, for a choir reject, man, <laughs> and the crowd goes wild. <laughs> wow, unbelievable record, man. I mean, uh, this uh, this new album is going to put your career on a on a completely another level. I hope you're ready for the craziness that's about to ensue. Uh, I, you know, are you guys? Do you have a, a, a time limit? Like, okay, look, we're going to tour for two years. You can book us for this amount of whatever, and then we need a break because you've been working hard, man. <laughs> We, you know, we had a lot of time at home this last year, which was very much needed because we, we were touring uh, maybe a little too much. Um, it really started to put a strain on all of our personal lives and just sanity. And, and yeah. you know, I got bags under my eyes that I didn't have before the last record. Um, but it's not so much a time limit as it is just making sure that we have adequate rest and home and family time in between the tours. And if we have that, then it just we'll, we'll kind of feel out how long this record will be. What's the album release date? Um, I don't actually know. It's in September. Okay, yeah, that, that's what I heard. Now, did you guys, uh, for people who, who like fan clubs who did the pre-order, are are they already able to download the whole thing right now, or do you just have a couple of songs that are available for them to hear? Not yet, not yet. Okay. I think we are going to give them uh, the first first listen on, on everything. Okay. Um, I'm not sure exactly. I think we're still strategizing on how exactly we want to do it, but we're definitely going to hook them up. They've, a lot of them have been supporting us on this record a ye- since a year and a half ago. Okay. I, I got to say that if, well, I'm, I'm grateful that I have it and I get to listen to it. If I were watching this video, I'm sorry, you people who are watching, <laughs> not you, Johnny. You don't get it for a couple of months. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, but uh, no, I uh, amazing, uh, fantastic yeah. to be able to, to to listen to this and to to be able to uh, spend this time with you. I really, I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Oh yeah, great to talk with you guys. Thanks so much for all the uh, kind words and good questions and everything. Of course, Johnny, so, I, I love yes. you, brother, and we will see you out here on the West Coast very, very soon. Oh, by the way, yes, please sir. ask Mark to bring my sunglasses when he when he comes out to uh, Sacramento. He still has my sunglasses at his house. Really? So got- see, to, to, I asked him, you, maybe you just pop them in the mail, and I'll send him COD, and he goes, ah, oh, man, we're so busy. We're doing the." I said, oh, that's all right, man. I'll see you out on the road somewhere. Uh, just tell him to keep him. <laughs> just keep Damn him. it, Mark. No, I'll tell him. I'll tell him. Tell Mark, we, tell Mark I love him, my son. Oh, hey, go grab Caleb real quick. See, Can you see if Caleb's here? Sure. He wanted to say hi. So 
I got to at least yeah. allow my son to come in and say he was so bummed. We were going to do this on Wednesday, and then you got ill. Although I did see some pictures from the American Ninja Warrior. Were, were yeah. You, were you Were you like, ah, dog ate my homework. My, I got these tickets front row for American Ninja Warrior, and then <laughs> you called in sick. No, that that filming was done maybe two months, maybe three months ago. Okay. All right. Here, K- Caleb, it just sit got down real quick. Sit down real quick. All right. Because, you know, a, a 15-year-old well, kid, he's not going to hold anything back. He's taller than I am, dude. He's going to be taller than you when you see him next time, Johnny. Really? Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, Man, what are you, 6'2 yeah. now? Caleb? Uh, yeah, 6'2. Yeah. 6'2? And you're how old? I'm 15. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those voices all like this now. <laughs> he's, he's taking after his dad. He wants a career Damn. on radio now. Yeah, yeah, it sounds yeah. like <laughs> Awesome, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty yeah. good. I love the new one. Uh... Oh, thanks. You gotten to listen to it a little bit? Yeah, it's awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah. Awesome. He has absolutely no taste in uh, headwear. I don't know who that band is, but uh, they're not, <laughs> I'm, I'm not a big fan. But uh, but he has good taste in, in nothing more music. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We there spent, you go. We spent an hour in, in 15 minutes. Go on, go on with your Friday, Johnny. Thank you, man. Yeah, man. I'm going to go grab some food. I'm starving, but really good to hang with you guys. Love you, brother. We're Two Dudes Reviews. We'll see you on the next one. Later, Two Dudes and, and a son. <laughs> see you, bud. Bye, guys. Stop fucking playing with yourself and get your ass over here. You know what? You just fucking blow, dude.